Welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, where we believe in three things. Strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. So we got that going for us, which is nice. My name is Mike, and I'm going to be your host tonight as we dive into the first round of our mini bracket within our Best 80s Movies Mega Bracket. And this particular mini bracket is devoted to determining what is the best 80s sports movie of all time. We got some really interesting matchups, and uh, I'm really glad that I don't have to make any of these decisions because I'm just the host. Let's meet the folks that will be making these decisions, starting in Fort Worth, Texas with Steven. Steven, my friend, how are you doing tonight, and what are you drinking? I am doing not well. Uh-oh. I'm going to give everyone a little warning up here. Uh, I'm not saying that this is Christopher's fault, but recently he came to visit me, and two days after that, suspiciously, my hot water heater has exploded in my house, which led to damage in my pipes which led to me having to abate the asbestos in my ancient house. So I have been mostly hotel living. I am now currently back in the house with no hot water. So I am at my wit's end. If anyone makes a dumb decision tonight, I am not responsible. To give you a fighting chance, I am cracking open a Dr. Pepper, zero sugar, strawberries, and cream right now. (laughs) If this can runs out... May God have mercy on your pathetic slows, you ignorant sluts. That's where we're starting. <laughs> Boy, I'm so glad that the randomizer put you first, Stephen. That's a fantastic tone setter for this episode. You, you're calling them ignorant sluts before they've even made any decisions. For all you know, they could. Uh, this could all be unanimous decisions. It's not going to be unanimous decisions, let's be honest. <laughs> Next up, returning to the show, we have Scott Brill. Scott, how are you doing and what are you drinking? Well, I'm doing very well. I'm doing much better than Steven, I think. Uh, <laughs> Only one way to go. Yeah. Um, and 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 Mike, uh, my my drink is is in honor of of something that you said on the recent uh, 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 literature podcast, the extra literature one that mm-hmm. you guys did, and um, and in honor of something that Chris and I have discussed before. So <clears throat> as anybody who's listened before, I'm mostly a teetotaler. I don't really drink very much at all. But you, Mike, and I, I, I'm assuming in this room, we're the only two, but probably we're in the world, it's getting smaller and smaller. You and I are probably the only two people who have actually read Ulysses all the way through. (laughs) And I, as a theater person, I've had to dissect the dumb thing and put it in play form twice. (laughs) Uh, And I've lived to tell the tale. And I don't even know how I've lived to tell the tale. So in honor of that, in honor of something Chris and I talked about, I have some Jameson's whiskey. Uh, that I am going to slow slow Ooh. sip. That uh, that uh, he said. Now it will be very slow because I, if I drink too much of this, I'll be knocked on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my god, it's lovely. That's really uh, you're right, Chris. That is that may maybe become the one drink I do start drinking now. Yeah. Mix with some ginger ale. I promise you, it's yeah. good. Oh, so put so what do you what do you suggest to, to cut it with some soda or some ginger ale? Would that be all right? I would do I would do a I would do a shot an ounce with a cup of ginger ale and then a little bit of a squeeze a little bit of lime in it. Gotcha. Although I'm telling you, it's very smooth. It's just the way it is. It is. I like. I'm a big fan of Jameson. Yeah, it is really. So there good. you go. And hello. <laughs> hello. Well, we're we're happy to have you on on the podcast with us, and I'm. Happy to meet somebody outside of that one class who is also Regulus. I'm fairly convinced half that class didn't even. That's right. When I had to read in college, I don't think anybody else. Read yeah, in class. That's right. exactly. All right. 
Uh, next up, joining us from um, some somewhere in the mountain time zone. I forget exactly where he said he was. Uh, we've got John Spees here with us. John, how are you doing tonight and what are you drinking? I'm doing okay. I'm currently on the road on my way back home to Las Vegas. I'm currently in New Mexico. New Mexico um, so I'm I'm in a more echoey area than I normally would be because I'm in a hotel room. Um, but today I am running on two things. Uh, one is Powerade Zero Mixed Berry, and the other is Spite. And because of that, <laughs> I'm going to be going against every single pick that Steven makes. Probably. <laughs> oh, dear. Probably. <laughs> we may we'll not see. get out of this alive. Nice. <laughs> but other than that, I'm fine. Thanks. There you go. <laughs> Well, yep, this is going to get contentious, and I had a feeling it would. Next up, a voice that uh, pretty much everybody knows at this point, and probably uh, most of you are sick of, but I'm not. I could never get tired of Chris. Chris, how are you doing, and what are you drinking tonight? Uh, Mike, I'm doing well. I got myself here from the Rheingeist Brewery in Cincinnati, Ohio, this is the Rheingeist Wowie. Uh, this is, they say, the meet the wild child of tropical troublemaker with effervescent intentions. This ale pairs bright pineapple with apple and tart passion fruit. So, very much looking forward to this. It is summer. I will remind our listeners, uh, Stephen can complain about me all he wants. Two days after I got back visiting him in Dallas, my daughter tested positive for COVID. I'm not saying it's Steven's fault. I'm not not saying it's Steven's fault. So, Steven, I think we're a little bit even there. Uh, let's see how the beer is, though. No, it was my fault. I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. Uh, <coughs> Stew, dadgum. I, I'll remind our panelists and our, our hosts and our listeners at home, two of the people on this bracket, I am one of them, the other is Steven, were on the the panel that saw Moneyball beat out Remember the Titans in the best sports movie of all time bracket. One of us voted for Remember the Titans. The other one of us is Steven. Shame. 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 Shame on you. At this Steven. point, I'm standing by it. I'm just, uh, my official position from now on, Moneyball's a better movie. And you can just fight me. I can't. It's, I, I already beat you at ping pong. What more do you want me to do? And last but not least, we have a newcomer joining us tonight here on Boozy Bracketology, Aaron Mayers. Say hello, Aaron. How you doing? What are you drinking? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful day in Fargo, North Dakota. Yes, I live in Fargo, North Dakota, where there is absolutely two things to do. Fucking nothing. That is what you do here in Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, you drink. You drink a lot. Speaking of drinking, I'm staying on the uh, sober thing tonight because I have to work on a podcast. I think some people have heard of it. It's called Frenemy Trivia. Kind of a, yeah, it's okay. Kind of a thing. So tonight... For your listening pleasure, I am cracking open a can of Liquid Death Mango Chainsaw. Not as solid as I would have wanted it to, but it is very good, though. Yeah, no, no complaints on my end. It sounded good from here. Well, I brought... Uh, 
beverage that I've actually been saving for. Uh, this is not the inaugural episode of the 80s movie bracket, but it's the inaugural episode that I am on. So I've been saving it for that such an occasion. It is the, I think I've actually had it on the podcast before, but it is from Trim Tab Brewing Company, the Movie Snack Sour with tangerine, raspberry, wildberry, and lime. That was, uh, your pop was way better than mine was, Aaron. So <laughs> we'll that just edit it in over the top of it. Exactly. Uh, we could edit these in, in post. We just don't. I, I don't know. We just, we like keeping it real here, I guess. And speaking of keeping it real, without further ado, let's jump into this bracket to determine the best 80s sports movie. This is just the first round. This is the Sweet 16. And we're going to start off with a couple of uh, playing games here. The first one is a three-way. No chuckles, nothing? Yeah, there we go. Got to have something there. So uh, we have a three-way playing game between the three Rocky movies that came out during the 1980s. Rocky 2. Rocky 3 or Rocky 4. This will determine the best Rocky movie of the 80s, which will then move on uh, to in the 12 seed to face the number five seed later on in the bracket. We're going to start this one off with Steven. Well, as we all know, every single Rocky movie, uh, except the first one, was snubbed of the Academy Awards that they obviously deserve. So we're picking against truly great movies here. Eye of the Tiger, Mr. T, and... Cold War Rocky. Uh, and you could say that Rocky Four did it in the Cold War, but I will tell you, there was a Cold War, then there was Rocky Four. now there's no Cold War. How else do you explain that? So obviously Rocky into the Cold War. Um, but no, there's only one of these this is actually a movie, and that's Rocky Two. Now it suffers from the fact that, like in Rocky One, he spent the entire film getting ready, and he barely was able to go the distance against Apollo, and in Rocky 2, he's basically sitting around eating ho-hos until like the last 30 seconds before the fight, he can suddenly beat him. So that makes absolutely no fucking sense, but it's still a better movie because Sly Stallone cares more what's going on. So Rocky 2. And that is one vote for Rocky 2. Let's find out what Scott thinks. Oh, we got another mute bug. He's scrambling, he's scrambling, he's scrambling. Oh no! Oh, so sorry, I was muted. Oh, <laughs> oh no, sorry. that's 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 okay. Oh, for goodness, I didn't know how that even happened. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I just want to be clear: Rocky Two, of from my memory, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. Wasn't it 1979? I, I don't think it's a 1980s movie. And the reason why I say this is because. I was in middle school and they showed it to us on the last day of school. And we literally walked, ran out of that. Th- we, we were like carrying each other on each other's shoulders because we had just seen Rocky two and it was so exciting. And we thought it was the greatest thing we'd <laughs> ever seen in our lives, but I'm pretty sure it's 1979. So it doesn't quite make the, the 1980s category. I just have to say, um, but if I, I, but I agree with Stephen. If we were to, only from that sheer memory of <laughs> walking out with this entire middle school class on the last day of school, going that was the freaking best movie we ever saw in our lives, uh, I will say Rocky Two, even though it's out of the out of the decade. And I did not bother to fact check Chris before. <laughs> Wow! You see that bus just ran my ass over. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I yeah. Rocky Two is one hundred percent nineteen seventy nine, but that's okay. <laughs> it just picked up its second vote. We're gonna head over to John next. 
I, uh, I like that we're breaking rules already. That's right. That's I right. dig it. I dig it. The 80s be damned. We're going, we're going rocky right. We've come too far. <laughs> yep. There's no way back now. Uh, all right. So, oddly enough, I'm not a huge Rocky fan. I'm not. I I loved the first one, and I kind of tolerated the rest of them. Not exactly my favorite movies. So I'm kind of picking between three that I'm not saying are bad. I'm just not saying I ever thought they were really that good. Out of the three, however, I do have one. I will say I'm more willing to go back to than the other two. And I really, really hate to break my vow and actually uh, agree with Steven right out of the gate. But Rocky two is the superior film. So I will also vote for Rocky two. Ooh, wow. That came a lot earlier than expected. Rocky two. That's what she said. (laughs) There it is. Rocky two will be moving on in the three way. Giggity. And there's that too. But we, and we still want to hear what Chris has to say. Well, Chris thinks you're all freaking wrong. Ooh, there it is. Listen, there's only one of these movies that takes your titular hero, drags him down to the very, very bottom, and then forces him to pull himself back up with the help of a friend. And it ain't Rocky 2. It's Rocky 3. Rocky loses to Clubber Lang. His freaking mentor, his Mr. Miyagi, if you will, dies and the only person that can bring him up has been his lifelong rival that can get him to where he needs to beat clever lang as his lifelong rival is freaking apollo come on it's an iconic movie i know a lot of people look at the 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 cold war stuff with rocky four and that's that's cool and all but rocky three is a better movie it's got a much better story it brings your character from the bottom to the top there's also by the way there was no doubt going into Rocky 2 that this was their chance to give him the belt. Rocky 3 loses the belt, gets it back, and that was never a, a foregone conclusion. Like, you didn't at that, any point in time think in that movie, well, no, he's, he's definitely going to win. Like, that wasn't, that wasn't in anyone's mind. There was doubt in your mind watching it, even with Apollo in the background. Rocky 3 is the better film. And Chris going to bat for Rocky 3, unfortunately, a little bit too late. Aaron, do you agree with Chris or do you agree with the other three panelists or do you have, are you a Rocky four person? Well, let's, excuse me. Let's go through this. We've got Rocky two, which is the story of a man overcoming all odds, retaking what is rightfully his. We've got the story of Rocky three, which is a man rising from the bottom, coming to the top. So basically uh, it's Drake 20 years before Drake at this point, (laughs) following that, We've got a movie that has giant robots, electronic muscle stimulation, and awkward Dutch angles of of leaders that are generally considered Soviet. We're not sure, but one of them does have a birthmark on their head at some point, I think. Also, I must break you. 
because Rocky Four is the most quotable movie of all three on this list because it still is the scenes that everybody remembers. People remember the, you know what? People remember the the whole punching meat thing in the original Rocky. People remember chasing a fucking chicken through the woods from Rocky Four. Which one's gonna? Which movie are people going to remember? Rocky Four. <laughs> and Rocky Four and Rocky Three do both. Uh, secure a vote unfortunately too little too late as rocky 2 will be moving on to the next round uh we'll 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 grandfather it in as an 80s movie it was it was late enough in the 70s we'll allow it so and we're going to move on from that play-in game of stallone movies over to our other play-in game which is a matchup of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. This is for the 14th seed to see which gets to go up against the number three in the main round. Is it going to be Kickboxer or Bloodsport? And this one we are starting off with Scott. These were two different movies? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I used to uh, teach acting at a university level in the 90s, and... Uh, I, we often made fun. You you could do Jean-Claude Van Damme acting. You could do that and make a million dollars. Or you could do a, be a serious actor and eat radishes for a living. You could do one of those two things. <laughs> um, and so uh, that's just spitballing to, um, you know, it's funny. I, when, I, when I saw the bracket, I, uh, I'm old. I've seen every one of these movies in the movie theater when they first came out, every single one that we are talking about tonight, <laughs> except these two. <laughs> I have to say, even my young gay self did not fall for Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> uh, uh, to, to enough to spend at the time, probably $5 to go see his movie. So um, I have no opinion, but I'm going to now flip a coin and Oh, it's, uh, Oh, it's, it's blood sport. Bloodsport is what uh, the coin has decided for me, Scott. <laughs> and Bloodsport picks up its first vote. Uh, John, do you uh, have thoughts on the on these two movies, or just a coin handy? <laughs> no, I got I got thoughts. Uh, but it, to agree with Scott, in in both cases, basically Jean Claude Van Damme plays the same character. In fact, I think he always plays the same character. Um, unfortunately, a little bit like Steven Seagal, but we we'll try not to bring him into this. Please. To me, this movie really comes down to the supporting cast and the villains and which one is better. And to me, only one of these movies has Chong Li, Chong Li, Chong Li, as well as Forrest Whitaker and the legendary Roy Chao. I'm not really sure how to say his name. Uh, but it's going to be Bloodsport. And that is a second vote for Bloodsport. So John uh, saying that Scott's coin got it right. <laughs> Chris, what are your thoughts? I, kind of similar here to John, but to me, these two movies come down to one thing and one thing only. Which one had the better final fight scene? Because both these movies climax with a final round fight. So I'm just going to read you what I have written for each final fight scene. For the kickboxer final fight scene I have written, there's a point where Jean-Claude Van Damme does a roundhouse kick that the guy just stands there and takes. He's staring at it the entire time and just gets kicked in the face. <laughs> All right. And then literally the next shot shows Jean-Claude Van Damme standing with his back to the guy he just kicked in the face. 
because that makes sense. <laughs> Bloodsport, what I wrote was, this is so bad. And that's it. Um, <laughs> the, with Bloodsport, the thing that got me is there is a scene where the the bad guy, I forget the bad guy's name, John, you just said it, but he pulls the referee into it. Like, like both these remind me of like old school WWF matches, what they felt like. But he literally pulls the referee into it. And the referee, instead of being like a referee and like getting out of the way, the guy lets him go. And then he just stands there, crouched down so that, you know, six minutes later or 65 seconds later, Jean-Claude Van, Van Damme can leap off of him and kick the guy in the face. <laughs> They're nonsensical. They're completely nonsensical. and But that's kind of what Jean-Claude Van Damme is going for. I will never watch either of these movies again. I just didn't think we could have a a bracket from the 80s without Jean-Claude Van Damme having some sort of representation. I'm giving it to... You know what? No, no, no. I can't let the sins go of Bloodsport. I'm giving it to... Uh, oh, God. I'm giving it to Kickboxer. Ooh. I, and we I have could, a little... I'd give it to Street Fighter, though. <laughs> well... Yeah, understandable. Kickboxer is not going down without a fight, unlike apparently the guy that Jean-Claude Van Damme roundhouse kicked in that movie. <laughs> Aaron, your thoughts? My thoughts are simply this. Chris, what the drugs are you on that you were expecting a Jean-Claude Van Damme to make fucking sense at any point at all? Jesus. <laughs> And I only have three words for this as a summary. Kumite, Kumite, Kumite. For all the reasons already said and more, Bloodsport is my choice. And Bloodsport picks up its third vote and we'll be moving on. Steven, is is Chris going to be uh, the lone vote on this matchup as he so often is on so many matchups? So here's the thing. Both of these movies just got awful pieces of trash because they're Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicles. You don't need to say anything more about that. But one of these movies is based off of the completely fictional personal history of one of the world's greatest hucksters and liars, a man named Frank Ducks, uh, who claimed at the age of 19 he was trained to be a ninja by a karate champion named Shizuko Tanaka which some of our listeners may know is the name of James Bond's Japanese contact in the movie uh, You Only Live Twice. He claims that he earned the Medal of Honor while serving in Vietnam, which is odd because he uh, did not serve overseas, according to his military record. Uh, he was awarded no such medals, and he enlisted slightly after the Vietnam conflict actually ended, so that was quite the accomplishment for him. Uh at some point, he wrote into Soldier of Fortune, claiming that he had been in and won an actual real-life Kumite. Thus, Bloodsport came out. Um, this man is just one of the greatest consummate liars of bullshit to ever shovel it in the history of the world. I love Frank Ducks more than, more than like, if I had a kid, it would be between them and Frank Ducks, and Frank's probably going to win because he's going to tell a better story. Uh, I have to go with Bloodsport. <laughs> and Bloodsport does secure the 4 to 1 victory. And we'll be moving on into the main round, as will we, because we're going to get right back started 
with our one versus 16 matchup. Gentlemen, is it going to be the one seed of Karate Kid or the 16 seed of Wildcats? We are starting here with John. So like most one seed to 16 seed competitions in whatever sport you choose, uh, this should be a blowout. And it absolutely is. Wildcats, it's fine. I'm not the biggest Goldie Hawn fan, but fucking Pat Morita deserves all the accolades for his performance in the Karate Kid. It's going to the Karate Kid. And that is one vote for Mr. Miyagi and Karate Kid. Chris. Mike, I remember when we were putting this bracket together and we put the sports one, I put the sports one together and you're like, you know, Chris, we really, there's just, you don't have a football movie on here. You need to have a football movie on here. So we went and we added all the right moves. Somehow forgetting that Wildcats is actually a football movie. <laughs> um, it's true. Neither one of them are that much better than the other, though. Wildcats is a completely forgettable film. I'm sure it's fine. I, I've seen it on TV a couple of times. Uh, I'll, I'll watch bits and pieces of it, but it's not great. It's not the Bad News Bears or, or anything like groundbreaking. Uh, Karate Kid means a lot to a lot of people. It doesn't necessarily ring that well to me, but I actually do love Cobra Kai, so I'm giving it to the Karate Kid just because it brought me a TV show that I actually really like. And that's a second vote for the Karate Kid on the strength of its much, much later spinoff television series. Good enough for me. We all have our reasons. Aaron. Let's not forget that Wildcats is also the launching pad for the careers of Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. These are their debut movies. And let's be honest, they could have found a better vehicle to actually star in in their first movie. <laughs> there is no way I'm not going with Karate Kid over Wild Cats. I was, I was in kindergarten when Karate Kid came out. All kids wanted to do in my kindergarten class were crane kick the crap out of other kids. That's all they wanted to do. That's all they wanted to do. And just and. Just as Chris said, it has a there is a longevity to it. You can watch Karate Kid now, and other than a few things, it still feels like a great movie to watch. It doesn't matter. Also, Elizabeth Shue. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, more of that, please. Uh, <laughs> everybody in this room's going, yep. <laughs> yep. Also, you want to talk about the perfect dick heel? Everybody on Cobra Kai is the perfect dick heel in this movie. Every single one of them. So without, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Karate Kid. <laughs> and Karate Kid picks up its third decisive vote based on uh, several criteria, which I believe included its ability to incite kindergarten violence. <laughs> Even kindergarten cop couldn't do that. That's right. I was also in kindergarten uh, when that movie came out and can confirm. <laughs> All right, we'll head to Steven next. How much of a blowout is this one going to be? I want to take this opportunity to uh, to speak to um, Northwestern, Kentucky, Kansas State. I want you all to take note of one thing. A wildcat is a mascot chosen for fictional teams 
by unoriginal hacks because nobody is afraid of or gives two shits about a wildcat. <laughs> it's not a mascot. Get a real fucking animal. A wildcat is a stray cat, and nobody cares. Karate Kid gets my vote. <laughs> and Steven, Steven not letting his opportunity to go to waste, knowing that we're going to be talking about Karate Kid later, gives it its fourth vote. Scott, do we have a sweep? Well, you know, wildcats mean so much to me. <laughs> Um, you know that when Snipes and Harrelson got the call from their agent, they told everyone, I am in a movie with Goldie Hawn, man. I am making it. It's exciting. I can't wait to go on set. Um, I'm sure that really happened. Uh, that being said, yes, Karate Kid is so seminal. And, you know, I think what's interesting when you think of sports, obviously, like Chris said, you think of football and you think of baseball and you think, um, to have Karate Kid be such a movie that's sort of outside that realm and yet still almost emblematically, symbolically represents sports of the 80s films, it's really uh, exciting. So, of course, uh, so I go with Wildcats. No, I just had a stroke. I I'm going with uh, a Karate Kid. <laughs> we we, uh, we have had some misplaced votes on this bracket, so that would not have been without precedent. But Karate Kid does uh, secure the sweep to the surprise of probably literally no one, including Goldie Hawn, who I know is listening and Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson for that matter. Got a lot of celebrity listeners coming this February to the PTE network, a podcast unlike any other, except for maybe two or three, a podcast hosted by a Chicagoland trivia veteran. Is it Jay Borzum? No, not her. Is it Ruby Shaw? No, it's not her either. Is it Jeremy Goodson? Just shut up and let me do my job. Okay. <clears throat> Where was I? Oh, right. Promo. It's the newest podcast on the PTE network. We play fantasy sports just without the sports. It features drinking, pointless arguments, and needlessly confusing homophones. Welcome to Draft Days. I'm your host, Jeffy Donuts. Listen along as my guests and I draft fantasy teams of just about anything, and then use made-up rules to see which of us will take home the trophy and which of us is just hot dookie. Join us every Wednesday for another episode of Draft Days. That's D-R-A-U-G-H-T-D-A-Z-E. It's a beer pun. Listen to my dad's podcast. Thank you, Lucas. That was very sweet. We're going to move on to our 8-9 matchup. I have a sneaking suspicion this one might be a little bit more of a nail-biter as 8-9s tend to be. Is it going to be Best Picture winner Chariots of Fire or the all-time Robert Redford classic The Natural? Uh, Chris, you are starting this one off. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, like Only one of these movies won Best Picture, right? Only one of these movies is nominated by or recognized by the Oscars as being the epitome of filmmaking that year. And only one of these movies I will ever go back and watch again because it's not a boring piece of trash. My vote goes to the natural. And Chris voting for the natural over the best picture winner. Aaron, what say you? Oh, I have, I have words on this one. Oh boy. But easily for you, I have it. I have it summed up very easily. 
with 17 syllables. Men running around can't hold a lighted candle to the great Roy Hobbs. The natural is my selection on this one. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, we have a first. I believe that is the first haiku <laughs> that was used <laughs> to make a vote. Uh, or actually, I guess it's not a haiku because it doesn't mention a, a, a season, which we found out on, a, I think it was Frenemy trivia not that long ago is a thing. It's, there's, there, there's another term for that. But when we think of 17 syllable poems, we think of haikus. Uh, we apologize to any of our Japanese listeners for not being more cultured. I do anyway. Uh, we apologize to everyone except for Tim Dipple. He can go fuck himself. <laughs> the opinions of Aaron Mayers do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Boozy Bracketology Podcast. <laughs> love you, Tim. In this case. <laughs> no, we love you, Tim. <laughs> All right, back at the top. Steven, that is two votes for The Natural. What do you have to say about this one? I want to be very clear about this. Uh, track stars... You're a better athlete than me. You're in better health than me. You're probably living a better life than me. You're definitely more attractive than me. What you are, though, is someone who plays part of an actual sport. Because every other sport has running and then something that makes it a sport. (laughs) Running, not a sport. Part of one. I can't get excited for part of a sport. Yeah, you went fast for a little bit. Then what? Did you score points for it? Was there a ball advance? Did you increase a strategic position to make a more interesting game state? No! You just stopped running because you didn't do the rest of the sport. I'm going to vote for the natural because track and field will never be as interesting as an actual sport. (laughs) And that is the third vote for the natural uh, in as only Steven could cast it, I'm pretty sure. Scott, did we get this one right? Oh, boy. So I'm in a lion's den here. Yeah. Um, you're I, not. I'm going to say a sentence now, and you're all going to be like, oh, no, we don't even want him back anymore. Chariots of Fire is one of my top five favorite films of all time. Ooh. I don't just like of sports movies. I mean of film. And it was when I saw it, and it is every time I see it. Um. Yeah, I, I hear you, Stephen, but it is also about, as he says, not being fast, but being the fastest. And that there's a, there's an, if you, if you even bother to go back and ever watch it, it, it is, it is about integrity and it's about, uh, I mean, I'm not a particularly religious person, but it is someone who, you know, ha- holds their beliefs about that. It is also about, um, it also has one of the most important and if not uh, memorable scores of the 1980s uh if you realize it was set in the 1924 olympics and yet the score is was a very modern score and that was purposely done everything about the movie was purposely done um it was uh it's a true story um there's facts that are all you know for movies it's made but it was true um and uh it's all in the history books it's right there so that being said, though, as much as I love Chariots of Fire, and I, I again, I really do. It's, it's. A, I think it's a phenomenal movie from beginning to end. Um, I also love The Natural. Um, it is, uh, to me, it, it's a, it's a, my baseball is a big thing in my family. My sister and I love baseball, and 
the natural has always been something uh, that we, we would sit down and watch whenever it's on. So, um, and even my husband, we, we always watch the last like 20 minutes of that movie just for the music alone, man. <laughs> I mean, these two movies probably have, of all the movies we're talking about, probably have the two most iconic scores of, of the eighties sports movies. They really do. And they're used constantly in other things. Um, but because I mean, I, I absolutely, I, I want to be clear. I absolutely love the natural. I, I, this was the toughest bracket of them all for me only because I'm so in love with chariots fire, but just so it can have a vote, I will vote for probably one of my favorite movies of all time, chariots of fire. And chariots of fire does pick up an impassioned vote from Scott. I want to hear from John as well. John, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Well, in the grand scheme of thing, my vote doesn't really matter at this point. Um, but um, I do agree with uh, Scott that this does have one of the, uh, or sorry, the Chariots of Fire has one of the um, most memorable scores of any, not only any sports film of the 80s, but almost any film of the 80s. That it is, re- it is repeated. Unfortunately for Scott, that is absolutely where my any love of this film dies. Um, <laughs> and in truth, I'm actually apathetic to both films. They're both okay. However, I am a sentimental schmuck. And The Natural was one of my grandfather's favorite films. And he used to have to make me sit and watch it with him, which I hated up until the point when he died, when I wished I could watch it with him as many times as I could. So purely for the nostalgia, I'm going to give it to The Natural. And The Natural picks up a fourth vote. I think uh, I'm sure you're not the only one who has that that kind of sentiments attached to to if not that movie, certainly one of these movies. Uh, by the way, don't if you've never read the natural the the book by Bernard Bernard Malamud, it's it's way different than the movie. It is. It's very different than the movie. Don't take my talking <laughs> points for the next round. <laughs> well, I'm I'm I won't I won't go any further than that. I'll just throw that out there and uh I'm the host anyway, my opinion doesn't matter and we need to move on. Uh because the next matchup is a 12-5 matchup and 12-5s are noted for upsets and we chose the 12 seed in the play-in game. It's Rocky 2. And it's going up against a a director that I think we can say unequivocally we associate with sports movies because he has two on this bracket. I mean, when you think of Martin Scorsese, the first thing you think of is sports movies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the color of money is our five seat here. So we're going to decide between the color of money and Rocky Two, And we're starting this one off with Aaron. The mute brother oh, Aaron again. again. Get him a fly swatter. <laughs> Would you rather I just sit here and go <laughs> all night? I mean, that's how my daughter got... A COVID from Steven. So yeah, sure. Damn. <laughs> Squeak, somebody cough on Steven. Maybe he'll drop off the podcast then. Ooh, damn. <laughs> also, oh, you want to talk you want to talk a little smack here? Here we go. What happened to what happened to spiteful John Spees earlier tonight? <laughs> Anyone's coming into this being an asshole. It's me now. This is going so well. Nothing, nothing. I know. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, no, this is actually a really tough one for me. Both movies are great. Both movies are definitely about redemption stories. Fast Eddie Felson is down on his luck. He is absolutely destitute. He finds somebody that he teaches and trains, only to find out in the end that he's become just like him. 
Also, also, where else are you going to hear somebody call their uh, their stick doom? I mean, <laughs> let's be honest with ourselves. Mm. Whereas with Rocky Two, again, he retires. He's out of the game. He's done with everything. He finally comes back, builds up his stamina, becomes world champion. But for me, he's doing it for everyone else, not for him. The trip of Fast Eddie Felsen is his journey and his journey alone. And in the end, when he says, I'm back, you can feel that the journey that he started in The Hustler actually makes full run in The Color of Money, which is why I am taking the number five seed, The Color of Money. And The Color of Money picks up its first vote. Steven, your turn. Listen, I, I, I'm making an impassioned plea to everyone who follows me. I want you to focus very closely right now. I fully acknowledge that The Color of Money is the superior film here. It, it, it's, it's a better story, better shot, better acting. Screw all that. Screw all that. Do you know how many months Chris spent making the super mega bracket of 80s films? We currently have the chance to make a film from the 1970s, the <laughs> ultimate winner, and destroy everything he spent building this up. For the love of God, people, join me and vote for Rocky II. <laughs> oh. Sorry I brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> and the- or vote for someone who doesn't get somebody's daughter sick and vote for the color of money. <laughs> Ooh, damn. All right. All right. All right. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Rocky, Ro- Ro- Rocky, Rocky two, the, the, uh, the seminal eighties movie <clears throat> picks up, <laughs> picks up a vote and we have a, uh, even match up here as we head over to Scott. Well, I'd like to echo something that John said earlier about the natural. Um, the color of money means a lot to me because of my father. He and I didn't really always see eye to eye on a lot of things, but from the time I was little, he taught me three things how to play poker. <laughs> so when I was about five, uh, uh, Monopoly, which we played, uh, and I still have the last Monopoly game we ever played when he was very ill and he died, I haven't preserved the, the turn that we stopped on. Oh, wow. Um, and um, pool. We had, a, we had a pool table in the house and he taught me how to play pool when I was very young to the point that by the time this movie came out, I actually <laughs> was uh, weighing whether I could become a pool shark or, or go to college. <laughs> like, <what laughs> do? Nice. Uh, that's how well he taught me. Um, it was something that really, so this movie really resonated with us, you know? Um, and uh, it's uh, something that's, you know, reminds me of him, but I, I hear you, Steven. I, 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 I am, I am a, I'm a rule breaker, man. I, I'm ready to go. I'm the one who noticed it was 1979, but uh, no, for, for, but my father is stronger than that, I have to say. The color money just means so much to me and many things. And also, I live in Westport, uh, Connecticut, literally about a mile from where Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward lived. Our, our yeah. house is very near their house. Um, and on the same street I live is the house where Betty Davis lived in Westport. It's the exact same street that I live in. Um, not that anybody cares. But, um, but no, so it's the color of money for me. I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> And the color of money does pick up a second vote. John, are you going to put this one away? Or are you going to shove it over to Chris? What's your thoughts? Well, um, it appears 
I have a new enemy. <laughs> and that enemy is Aaron. Since you are going to call me out, fuck the color of money. I choose Rocky too. Oh, <laughs> I love it. We we here at Boozy Braxology are hardcore in favor of spite votes, and that is Rocky Two picking up another vote to bring it even with the color of money as we head over to Chris. But before we do here at Boozy Bracketology, we have what we know as a buzzer beater when a matchup is tied going into the final pick. Any of the panelists that have previously spoken do have an opportunity to throw up a buzzer beater to try and sway Chris one way or the other. Would anybody want to use it? You get only one per round. Chris, I believe you are on your own. You're on your own. I am. Listen, uh, I'm not saying Scorsese is the best director of all time because I firmly don't believe that he is. I don't know of a director that handles pacing a film as well as Martin Scorsese does. Because it doesn't matter if it's The Irishman or one of his shorter movies, which I imagine clock in at about three hours and ten minutes. (laughs) (laughs) They, They just never seem as long as they are. His pacing is incredible. And The Color of Money, not just the pacing, but you made pool tense yeah right (laughs) billiards y'all um there's just nothing rocky i love the rocky franchise and i'll watch all of them including the creed movies but they're retreading the same tire color of money is a wonderful film it's some really good performances and a director really in my opinion at the top of his game i'm going the color of money and this one's not close also Steven's rally for, for chaos didn't work. So yay. (laughs) Chris, just what you just said. I just realized they're both technically sequels. Yeah. I mean, mean, you can think of them that way. You could, you could, I'll give you that. If you think of them both as just duologies, they are perfect. duologies. (laughs) That's a good point. But the color of money will be moving on by the skin of its teeth. I was trying to think of a pool metaphor on the fly and nothing came to me. So we're just going to move on and or pretend that I did. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> trying uh, to come up with a pun that quick. Let me push it behind the eight ball. Yeah. yeah there. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. It, yeah. That's your cue to do something else. Yes. It, yeah. It, it absolutely is. If for no other reason than to stick it to Steven. Oh. Uh, oh. All right. And I was going to say real quick, Chris, you talked about, the the pacing that opening sequence is cinematic it beauty is. The money, it is in the color of money it Absolutely. is all right well, we'll have plenty more opportunity to discuss color of money in the next round because it's moving on to face one of these two movies and i don't know which one uh St- stallone is not done because the 13th seed we have here is over the top And it's going up against the number four seed of Hoosiers. And we are starting this one back off at the top with Steven. So over the top purports to be a movie about arm wrestling. And that does occur in it. um, But not as much as, say, long haul trucking or any of the other undeveloped, unconnected things that occur in that movie. Um, There's also something going on with Stallone and his kid really couldn't tell you what. I think that they're not together, and then they're happy together at the end. 
don't think it has anything to do with either the trucking or the arm wrestling, as far as I can tell. It's just a series of flashy things that occur in a row. And while that's probably the best you can get of a non-Rocky Stallone movie, uh, it's no fucking Hoosiers. Hoosiers is a great movie. And as a person who comes from the Hoosier state, uh, I got out there as quickly as I could, but I was born there, unfortunately. Um, I can tell you that those opening shots where you see a sky that has nary a cloud and yet no sun at all, but a gray mass of nothingness is an exact perfect encapsulation of Indiana. So it gets my vote for that alone. Hoosiers picking up a first vote on the accuracy of its cinematically depicted sky. Let's check in with Scott. The use of metaphor and the acting, uh, amazing acting in Over the Top, really, uh, <laughs> really took it to a different realm. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's Hoosiers I'm talking about. That's <laughs> No, Stephen's right. I mean, you, 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 you know, I'll, I'll just harken back to my my time on Jeopardy and just say I'll take Hoosiers for a thousand, Alex. And that's really I don't really have anything else to say because I don't think we need to spend one more minute talking about over the top. <laughs> so I'm vote for Hoosiers. And with apologies to Scott, I do not have a thousand dollars on hand, but Hoosiers will pick up its second vote. John, what do you say? Yeah, there's not much to talk about here. Hoosiers is an absolute classic. Um, over the top is a movie I saw once and I hope to never see again. It, it's, it's Hoosiers. <laughs> Hoosiers picks up its third vote. I would be lying if I didn't already write it down in the next slot before we even started with the first, <laughs> the first vote. But uh, Chris, I, I just, I just want to know what your thoughts are on this one. Did we get it right? We spent a lot of time in the, uh, the opening round talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme and how all of his movies are the same. There's one that's not, there's a movie called JCVD that he did. Um, which is completely self-referential. It's a movie about being Jean-Claude Van Damme, but actually kind of being a little bit of a, a pushover, you know, a softy uh, in real life and how that's contradictory to what he is in the movies. It's actually not a good movie, so don't waste your time seeing it. The best parts I've told you about, and that's that he he's a pushover. Uh, this isn't close. So uh, Hoosiers, move it on. We'll talk more about it next episode. And... Chris spending his time talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme, who in no <laughs> way is part of the matchup because we had to revisit that. Revisiting that discussion was probably more important than saying anything else about over the top. I don't give a shit about over the top. It's a terrible garbage movie. No one gives a shit about over the top, except possibly Aaron. We do want to check in with you to find out. Oh, the cinematic glory that is over the top. <laughs> the, the veritable joy that is over the top listen <laughs> when the only thing that your movie has going in it is which direction sylvester stallone turns his baseball cap around to flip that switch <laughs> no you've got it you know you've got it done. you know if you wanted to here you want a sports movie as opposed to over the top of the 80s let's go with sylvester stallone and rhinestone okay that's a better that's a better choice for a sylvester stallone movie you want there there we go done <laughs> of course it's hoosiers of course it's hoosiers hoosiers does complete the sweep over the top is is gone hey trivia lovers want to get the pub trivia experience in an interactive way check out liquid courage entertainment with a wide range of offerings online lk has you covered 
streaming a wide variety of trivia games on Twitch with one-of-a-kind formats like Tringo, Guestimate, Mega Sheep, and more. Or check out the World Trivia Federation. With 36 hours to answer each quiz and no obligation, the WTF is the perfect solution to scratch that trivia itch on your own time. Come see us at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage or check out patreon.com slash liquid courage to join the WTF for as little as $2 a month. That's liquid courage with a K. Innovative, interactive, intoxicating. And we're going to move on to the other side of our bracket to the two versus 15 matchup. This one is going to be between Bull Durham, which is the two seed versus all the right moves. The 15 seed, and we are starting this one with Scott. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We have a lot of baseball movies, and actually some of the brackets have nothing but baseball movies in them. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, Bull Durham, like I said, you know, uh, this is another one that my my sister and my father and I used to watch a lot. Um, this is probably my sister's favorite movie actually um um bull durham i think you know even though it's about minor leagues it encapsulates the tradition of baseball almost better than any other baseball movie it really has a, a feeling of that of, of of what it means to really love the sport and love the game that much and and what it means and um and Tom Cruise was adorable in all the right moves. I mean, I certainly, I certainly remember we went to the movie theater. I have to, you know, I'm as I'm, a, I was a gay kid, and I, well, you know, Tom Cruise was in the, all the right moves. We were like, we have to see this. We might take his shirt off. We don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Is he throwing a football? I don't know. He's he might take his shirt off. Um, you know, so uh, and uh, you know, uh, but uh, but Bull Durham is I just it's so well written, and it's just I I personally I love Susan Sarandon. She could read the phone book. I I would be entertained um and so uh for me it's full in on uh bull durham bull durham picks up its first vote john what you say um uh similar to uh to scott um i you wanted to see tom cruise without a shirt <laughs> no no okay, i didn't think that's where you were going but i do i i yeah, why not? i Even was now, in love I mean... with uh uh a young leah thompson Oh, sure. Mm. Um, that being said, only one of these movies has Tim Robbins in a garter belt. Yeah. And I got to go. <laughs> For that alone, my vote goes to Bull Durham. <laughs> Tim Robbins in a garter belt and Bull Durham picks up a, a second vote. Chris, the man wearing a baseball cap. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> That was for literally only the people on the recording and no one listening because you couldn't see my turn my ball cap around backwards. I want to bring something up here real quick. Uh, <laughs> All the Right Moves is directed by a gentleman by the name of Michael uh, Michael Chapman. When I was doing my research, I'm like, I know that name. Like, why do I know that name? I'm going to read off a couple of things. That was the movie he directed. He's, a, he's best known and famously known as a DP and one of the best DPs in Hollywood history. A couple of the movies you're going to hear are movies that you're very familiar with, including two Scorsese films, arguably Scorsese's two best films. Two of the top three. He's a DP and Taxi Driver. He's the DP and Raging Bull. Oh, wow. He was the DP on The Fugitive, Kindergarten Cop, Doc Hollywood. They're not all winners, guys, but these are iconic. (laughs) 
say, you, you, the, the train I, ran off the track there a little bit. I'm starting to think Chris just likes saying DP a lot. <laughs> uh, but he's still like this dude is still working today. Uh, Space Jam, by the way, also the DP on Space Jam. Evolution. The, he's 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 a phenomenal DP, and I know that name because because of that. And that did he direct anything else big? No, I, from what no, I can, no. I, I mean, I can go back and look. But I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Chapman, Mike Chapman. Interesting. He directed the Clan of the Cave Bear. Oh, that was a big movie at the time. So uh, also Peter Gabriel live in Athens in 1987. Neither here nor there. Mm. That's about the only good thing. They wasted Leah Thompson, Tom Cruise, and Craig T. Nelson in that movie. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, no, Bull Durham gets my vote. Bull Durham picks up a third vote. We'll be moving on to the next round. Aaron, how much of a runaway is this one going to be? Listen, if there's one thing, if there's one thing I believe in, I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf in the designated era. <laughs> I believe in a sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve. And I believe in low, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. I also believe in one of the best baseball movies of all time. Everything on this list, this one has my vote, will always, Bull Durham. Bull Durham picks up its fourth vote. I know I know Stephen well enough that I don't really need to ask this question, but Stephen, do we have a sweep? Uh, I've said in other podcasts we've done, uh, a sports movie is always at its best when the sport is a stand-in for the bigger story. And in the case of Bull Durham, that's exactly what it is. The ups and downs of a baseball season are equal to the ups and downs of life. Sometimes it's going great. Sometimes it's going bad. It's not always your fault. It's not always not your fault. And the true testament to that is that we never find out what the record of the Durham Bulls is. It doesn't have a big final game. It doesn't build up to anything. It's about the ride. It's about the journey you go on. It's about the people you interact with. It is a wonderful, breathtaking movie. Uh, I'm going to champion Bull Durham as long and as hard as I can, because it is one of my personal favorite movies, not just sports movies. All the right moves, the only way I can give it respect is that in my mind, it is the origin story for Coach. Like, that's what he did before he eventually made his way up to become the head football coach of the Minnesota State Screaming Eagles and winning a national championship in his third year, despite the fact that he only had two supporting coaches. So he's the greatest coach to ever fucking live. Um, and, yeah, that's that's the only thing I can say about it. Craig T. Nelson got tight cast into a much better sitcom because of it. So, yeah. Uh, no, Bull Durham gets the vote. Hey, Scott, if you want your revenge, now you know where to take it. Yeah. <laughs> all right you heard it here first folks all the right moves the uh precursor to coach that is now canon uh but bull durham is going to be moving on to the next round uh and we're going to be moving on to uh as i believe scott alluded to a battle of baseball movies we've got the number 10 seed of major league going up against the number seven seed of eight men out uh, John, you're starting this one off. All right. So I love baseball. Uh, I love watching baseball. I love playing baseball. I love baseball movies. 
Um, I was super happy to see so many, not just baseball movies, but good baseball movies on this bracket. Uh, Eight Men Out is a great film um, about a you know a particular point in baseball history. But I could quote pretty much every single Bob Euchre line from Major League for the rest of my life. And that movie will never die to me. <laughs> uh, Major League absolutely gets my vote. Major League picks up its first vote from John, and we're heading to Chris next. There's a scene in Major League where Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, and Wesley Snipes are sitting around a dinner table. Um, and Tom Berenger looks kind of down. He sees Renee Russo with that dickhead, whoever she is dating. And they, Wesley Snipes, Charlie Sheen kind of take notice. And Charlie Sheen goes, that's some chick. And God bless him, Tom Berenger goes, no, it's my wife. And without missing a beat, like there's no beat in between. Wesley Snipes goes, does she know that? it is endlessly quotable it's a wonderful movie uh you fall in love with what i love about that movie is that there's not like there's a bad character um you root for all of them you want willie mays hayes you want you want him to steal the 100 bases you want serrano to hit home runs and even the even the what's his name the the guy who drinks joe boo's rum you you don't hate him You, you don't hate he's it's fun and the, they they build a really interesting villain in it. So no, uh, Eight Men Out. It's a fine movie. It's it's well acted. It's well done. But is there a sport that lends itself to sports movies better than baseball? It does. There's not. Major League gets my vote, and it's not close. Major League picks up its second vote. We're about to find out just how not close this is going to be as we check in with Aaron. <clears throat> I love Eight Men Out. Eight Men Out, great drama, great movie. But Eight Men Out for me is basically the equivalent of Titanic. I don't need to watch the movie to already know what's going to happen at the end of it. You can make it as good and as interesting as you like. But the fact remains that you already know the final result of Eight Men Out. And it's a stellar cast, stellar performance. But... See, if here's the thing. If we are going to say that the coach and all the right moves all of a sudden, or the dad and all the right moves all of a sudden became a championship winning football coach, if we're going to realize that, then we also need to, then you also need to realize that a slumping hitter from a different country can one day become president of the United States of America. <laughs> and this is the kind of country for which we have. This is the kind of country which we need. This is why, oh, it's going to be, it's Major League all day. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> and Major League does pick up its third vote. But I do want to check in with all our panelists. I want to find out, did we get this one right, Stephen? Yeah, this is a weird one because Eight Men Out, it's, I guess, technically a sports movie, but it plays much more like a courtroom drama. It's 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 got a sport. It's got athletes in it as the characters, but it's really not about the sport. It's about the scandal. It, it's not really a sports movie. Like if you asked me to list sports movies and you gave me three days to list all the ones I could think of, 
I probably would never come up with Aitman out because I just don't categorize it that way. And, you know, Major League is a tour de force. It's one of those films that is better than its part somehow. It's magical lightning in a bottle. It stays funny. Um, the only thing that's super offensive in it is that it's still using the old Indians mascot. So that's holding up pretty good, despite the fact that it came out in the 80s. Um, there's probably still more in it. I mean, the whole Joe Boo thing probably doesn't play well in certain sectors. But still, very funny, very good, and just a really likable, enjoyable movie. Um, and it it does a thing that's very hard for comedies. It stays funny even on rewatches. Mm. Comedies usually lose a lot in the rewatch, but Major League somehow doesn't. And I think that's just because most of the cast is very, very charming in it. So Major League gets vote. Major League has a four to nothing lead. Scott, is this going to be a sweep? Uh, well, yeah, you know, it's funny. This almost is like the Chariots of Fire versus the Natural. You know, you have Eight Men Out, which is a prestige picture, and it's certainly very good. There's it's there's nothing really wrong with it necessarily uh and it tells the story of of it very well um i think the one thing it does do well as a sports movie though is it does accurately uh pretty accurately depict that era of 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 playing baseball um which is pretty neat with the costumes and all that kind of stuff so um that's kind of interesting but um that being said i agree i think you know uh, major league is probably charlie charlie sheen's best movie but that's just my opinion i know there may be others but that's for me i've never been a big fan of his um but um certainly uh i agree with everyone it's quotable it's funny and uh no wasting more time major league for me as well major league does complete the sweep and we'll have a battle of uh baseball movie titans in the next round but before we get there we've got two more matchups to decide in this round starting off with uh, the other Martin Scorsese appearance on this particular bracket in Raging Bull, the three seed, which has its work cut out for it against the Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle Bloodsport, which, as we all know, received a whole lot of support in the play-in game, <laughs> defeating a, another Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle to get here. It's in the 14 seed, Raging Bull versus Bloodsport. We're starting this one off with Chris. Raging Bull. I I didn't get the trademark Chris chuckle or I, it's not a chuckle. It's really more of a chortle or a guffaw before he makes those types of votes. But nonetheless, a short, quick and emphatic vote for Raging Bull. Aaron, you're up. Now, see, if there's one thing that I want to touch on in this matchup, it is the absolutely magical work of cinematographer Michael Chapman. He is absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> that's what we call a callback that's what you call a callback <laughs> absolutely beautiful work here uh raging bull i believe uh i believe steven said it about major league it is a tour de force it is absolutely an unstoppable movie uh unlike unlike blood sport um <laughs> I love Bloodsport for the absolute shit show it actually is. I love terrible movies. I grew up watching terrible movies. That's in my wheelhouse. But Raging Bull is so absolutely beautiful in its violence that you have to go with it over Bloodsport. Raging Bull picks up its second vote. We're going to start back at the top with Steven. When Frank Ducks was asked to provide proof of his Medal of Honor, he produced a picture of himself uh, wearing the badge of it on his uniform. 
only to be told later that not only was the stripe for that medal in the wrong place on the uniform, but the badge he was wearing was from a different line of service than the one he served in. Later on in life, he admitted it was a Halloween costume, but still maintains that he did receive the Medal of Honor. All that to be said, I am still going to go ahead and vote for Raging Bull. <laughs> I I was hesitant for a second. I was like, is Stephen going to go here? I don't know. But Stephen does, in fact, give Raging Bull its third and decisive vote. I uh, I do want to hear from the rest of our panelists, though. Uh, thoughts on this particular matchup, Scott? Um, well, uh, uh, just in this time, I've looked up Mike Chapman. He actually died in 2020, just so that we're oh. clear. He he has passed. But also, you know what else he did, Chris? He was the camera operator for Jaws. Yep. He was with Spielberg that whole summer when, and I was there on Martha's Vineyard summer. They filmed it actually, but he he was he was right there with them doing that movie. So that's that's pretty spectacular. So you know that uh, you know Scorsese and Spielberg were all friends, and you know I'm sure Mike Chapman just it was passed around among, among <laughs> people, uh, and and also as a cinematographer. So um, you know, so it's uh, for, the, for those of you out there who got that joke. Took, took me uh, a second. That was good. Yeah, just a little joke. So, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so, you know, I, I also pick Raging Bull because it, it, it is a callback into a, one of my other favorite movies called Waiting for Guffman. I don't know if people are familiar with Waiting for Guffman. It's a very funny movie. They're having auditions for a community theater play. I, you all know where I'm going with this. And I, I hope I can do this without being edited out. Uh, the, uh, the So, the, the, a mild-mannered guy. <laughs> These are just community theater auditions. He says, I'm going to do a scene from Raging Bull. And he just goes, did you fuck my wife? Did you fuck my wife? <laughs> and that's his audition for the community. And it's so with and he does it completely passionless. He does it completely as like a community theater actor might do it in an audition. And that's to me just what a wonderful joke to go back to, you know, of all the movies you could pick to do an audition scene from, that's the scene he chooses. So, um, no, Raging Bull certainly, it stands among probably one of the greatest movies of the 20th century. And I and I particularly don't, don't really care about boxing or anything above that. But what he did here, as uh, I think we've all alluded to, this is another movie that, yes, there's a lot of boxing, it's a lot, but it is, it's about this man. It is about this person that you you didn't think you're going to get invested with, and you do from beginning to end because of the brilliance of everyone who created it. So, uh, for me, it's a blood sport, a raging bull. <laughs> raging bull has four votes. John, your thoughts? Well, I mean, only one of these two films is listed as AFI's number one <laughs> uh, sports movie, but I cannot take. I cannot pass up the opportunity to go against both Aaron and Steven in this. <laughs> Fuck it. I choose Bloodsport. <laughs> I love it. Bloodsport will get a vote against Raging Bull. Anybody who had that on their bingo card is lying, <laughs> but we will take it. I love it. That's fantastic. Raging Bull, though, will be moving on. We'll be discussing it a lot more in the next round because it's going to be taking on one of these two films, which are in our final matchup of the night. We've got the number six seed of field of dreams taking on the number 11 seed, which I referenced in my intro Caddyshack field of dreams versus Caddyshack two extremely similar movies. <clears throat> Don't know how you guys are going to make this decision, but not my problem. Aaron, you're up. 
Yeah. Uh, who put this bracket together, Chris? <laughs> Fuck you, Chris Ligori. <laughs> <laughs> I will never be invited back until like next week or something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this honestly is tough. Field of Dreams is an absolutely tearjerker of a story. I mean, you get all the story, you get everything that goes along with it. But in the end, I'm going to say this, and it was said already earlier tonight about a movie, Eight Men Out. The context of baseball in it is only putting a baseball field into a cornfield in the middle of Iowa. It's about the drama of the movie, not about the actual sports of the movie. Legitimately, if you watch it, at the what is it? It's at the very end of the movie that they play a little baseball. Okay, whoa, yeah, all right, great. It's a it's a sports movie, therefore. <laughs> Caddyshack is all about the sports. It's all about the comedy. It's all about golf. And it's all about that sweet, sweet crossbreeding <laughs> of Kentucky bluegrass and Sensamilia. <laughs> and I know I'm gonna be the only person here voting for it. But I'm voting for Caddyshack. Well, Caddyshack picks up its first vote, and don't be so sure about that. I I came in not knowing which way this one was going to go. And in particular, not entirely sure which way Steven is going to go. Let's check in with him. Let me make it clear from the outset. I'm a baseball guy. Love baseball. Even when my team's bad, I follow along. I still pay to watch them lose every year. (laughs) Baseball is, is a great sport. Golf remains a sport where the object is to score as few points as possible so the game can end as quickly as it can. It's a terrible sport, and it's terrible for cinema, too, because nothing really happens and no one's in opposition to anyone else at the same time. There's not an offense and a defense. It's a bad, bad game that pretends it's a sport, and it's bad to film for movies. Caddyshack's the better movie. I get Field of Dreams very emotional. I get why people like it, but as a sports movie, it's not a lot of sports. Uh, it, there's a better sports movie starring the same guy earlier in this bracket. Uh, and Caddyshack is an amazing film. It's hilarious. It's all the actors at the top of their game. Uh, you can't deny how wonderful it is to watch that movie. I think it might have been the first movie where I saw tits. So that right there, plus five points. You got to get up over the first tits I ever saw. So, you know, Caddyshack all the way. I love it. I would much rather watch that. than And I, again, I, I, he wants to play catch with his dad again. That's the emotional core of the movie. Catch is not a sport. Neither is running. Neither is golf. So with no sports around, I'm going to pick the golf movie, Caddyshack. I think Steven and I just became best friends now. This is very weird at this point. Yeah, I feel like we've stepped into the twilight zone. Uh, Caddyshack picks up its second vote as Steven votes against a baseball movie. And with Aaron, it's got Field of Dreams on the ropes. Scott, are you going to push it over or does Field of Dreams have a fighting chance in this one? Steven, I have to break this to you but we can never be married <laughs> um i i love golf <laughs> and yeah um so uh this is a this was a tough bracket for me only in the sense that 
uh, I could sit and watch either one of these movies every time they're on. I just love both of these movies for totally different reasons. Um, you know, yes, are there, there's not a lot of sports play, but you know, they actually do. There, there's a, there's actually a baseball game that does happen in Field of Dreams where they play it, and, and he has to go in, and the kid plays, and all that. Um, and also, you, you, you may all be. I'm going to play the old man card here. You may be too young to remember why Field of Dreams uh, kind of hit a resonance. At the 1989 World Series, which was with San Francisco, there was an earthquake that stopped the World Series. It happened during the World Series. And it was devastating. Highways collapsed. People were killed. It was a really, it was one of the first earthquakes of television where uh, you saw the devastation of a highway collapsing on itself and people still trapped in the cars. It was awful. And when the broadcast came back, they used James Earl Jones's speech that he speaks about baseball from Field of Dreams to open the, the game now that the it had happened after the earthquake about why we love baseball. It, it, it is probably of all baseball movies. It is probably the greatest speech of why uh, this is our pastime, why this sport is our pastime. And that speech by James Earl Jones is stunning. That being said, um, I love Chevy Chase. I love Bill. I grew up with Saturday Night Live, man. I watched the original cast, man. And when yeah. they made a movie together, we couldn't wait to get to, to couldn't get to the theater fast enough to see Caddyshack. Let me just tell you that. Um, and it's still funny. You you watch it now, it's still so hilarious. Every part of it is hilarious. Um, and the Cinderella story, man, that that yeah. is often repeated in and you have to realize that golfers, and I I'm, I do like golf, so I do watch golf and do follow golfers the, certainly the younger golfer crowd you know the, the rory mcelroy's and the and the victor hovland's those kind of people they love this movie they they watch it every time there's a big tournament because this to them is their they're going with the wind this is their movie about <laughs> golf it's really the only big movie about golf um but it not only do they play golf in the movie one of the one of the funniest things is when the reverend plays golf and has the game of his life struck by lightning. <laughs> it's so hilarious. Uh, but that's that's what golf is. You have the best game of your life, and you feel the you can't you're invincible. And then he's so. Um, but no, I I just I love both movies. But I I, I agree. I just just infinitely watchable. Um, as much as I love Field of Dreams, uh, I'm going to vote for Caddyshack. And Caddyshack has secured the upset as the 11th seed takes down the six. John, did we get this one right? So I was going to make uh, an impassioned speech about how every time uh, uh, the uh, Archie Graham crosses over the line, comes Doc and saves a little girl, it makes me cry. Uh, but instead, I'm going to say this. This is horse shit. Not only is Caddyshack way overrated it is not funny it is one of the dumbest fucking movies i have ever seen in my life and how anyone anyone could say that caddyshack is a better movie than field of dreams is beyond me if this was not a hotel i would be flipping this fucking table right now field of dreams is going to at least get one well-deserved vote And finally, we have a right decision as John will not let Field of Dreams go down without at least one vote. 
Chris, are we going to make this one close or is Caddyshack going to run away with it? So I have vivid memories. Like one of the first memories I have as a child is after my grandfather passed and kind of getting to know my grandfather. My grandfather passed when I was seven, um, but he was like my best friend growing up. I was always with him. But my mom would tell me how he would just watch Caddyshack and just laugh. And so I have a really strong affinity for that movie. I actually love that movie. It's great. But I want to step back here and correct something that's been said that I think is extremely misleading in that all Feel the Dreamers is about is a catch. No. Feel the Dreams is about a man who knows there's another version of a father that he had out there and is doing whatever he can to capture that version of his father. And he says it in the freaking movie. I only saw him later when he was beat down by life. He wanted to see this version of his father who fell in love with a game and who was a boy at one point in time who had a belief and a dream and he chased it religiously, which is what he's doing the entire film. And he's not just doing that. He's gathering people like him, people who are downtrodden, people who have lost hope and belief in that that young vibrant wish that we all had. That's why Archibald Graham gravitates towards him. That's why he's able to get Darth Vader to come with him. It's a wonderful movie. And then at the end of the movie, at the end of that movie, not only, not only. I'm so mad. I'm so mad right now. All right. Because after Danny Kincannon throws that little girl off the bleachers. <laughs> that's Timothy Busfield, the young Timothy Busfield. That is, sure is. Yeah. Um, after she falls off the bleachers, my wife has only seen five minutes of this movie, and it's this five minutes. It's when Archibald Graham walks off, and you see him turn into a, the old man that he was, heal her, and then you see Kevin Costner realize he can't go back. There is so much heart in that movie. Yeah, water, tears waterworks but it's not just that go after that go after that keep going this is a 20 minute scene of just waterworks because you go after that and you get to the point where they ask him do you want to go with us and they're talking to darth vader i can't call him anything other than darth vader guys i'm sorry (laughs) i've noticed And, and ray goes i'm asking what's in it for me and ray Liotta, in perfect quietness looks at him and goes is that why you did this ray for you it's beautiful. And then he gets to play catch with his dad. I mean, come on. He gets the, what he's been chasing. Not It's not just this movie. This has been a love affair for this man. His life has been to, to get to know this person who he hears great things about, but he only saw this beaten down shell of a man who died tragically too young. And his whole life is chasing towards this, and he finally gets to do it. I'm sorry, y'all. I love Caddyshack. It's got a very special place in my heart, but Field of Dreams is a special movie. Steven, I don't care. Field of Dreams is a better movie than Bull Durham. Field of Dreams means a lot more to a lot of people than Bull Durham ever will. Field of Dreams deserves to move on, not just past this round, but move on towards the championship. I don't know how far it would have gone, but it should have been there. And I'm Mike, I'm done. Mike, can I change my vote? <laughs> I have a tear in my eye. Uh, if I can, I'd like uh, to... In our defense, uh, Caddyshack has a scene where they mistake a candy bar for a piece of poop. They do. That's <laughs> they, absolutely true. 
All right, folks, we need to wrap this one up. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, impassioned votes here, and we have an entire another round of 80 sports movies to go because your uh, Elite Eight through the championship is coming up in the next episode. Uh, just as a quick recap, your matchups are going to be the number one seed of Karate Kid versus the number nine seed of The Natural. Number five seed, Color of Money, taking on number four seed of Hoosiers. The number two seed, Bull Durham, is going to be taking on another baseball movie. The number 10 seed, Major League. And Raging Bull, the three seed, will be taking on your biggest upset of the night. That would be Caddyshack, the 11 seed, which just took out Field of Dreams. Uh, if you are interested in uh, connecting with us on the socials, you can find all that information on ptebb.com. That's Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology is what that stands for. Uh, there's a lot of information there you can go find. Um, and I won't belabor the point anymore. Uh, we will see you all next episode. Until that time, I have been your host, Mike. I've been Steven. I've been Scott. I'm probably John. I'm still pissed off. <laughs> and I'm not Tim. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody.